How's it going everybody? My name is Christopher, this is my dad Leighton, and this is the Ustazen Show, and it is the first episode of season two where we're talking about how to manage hyperactive dogs. Uh, but first, a few words from our sponsors. You know, I didn't know if we'd make it to season two. There were yeah. days that I wanted to kill him that it I was, just like, you know. Well, just to get him started with season one, episode one was a, enough of a hassle and a fight. So. But you guys wanted it, so here we are, we're back in season two. And of course, we always want to talk about our school, Partners Dog Training. If you live in Arizona, if you haven't been to us, you've got to come check us out. This last summer, we've been doing a ton of improvements. We've got a whole new fencing, special custom fencing was made. Uh, we've improved our pool facilities, our daycare facilities, the inside of the kennels. We've got a couple more things we're still going to do, but it's really exciting times for us. Um, if you haven't snake-proofed your dog, don't let this heat fool you. Snakes are out there. I've yep. uh, got a crazy story the other day, uh, about maybe a month ago from now, a friend of mine or friend of ours was uh, was bitten by a snake while we were out on the shooting range. Um, it, to be honest, having been around snakes my entire life, I was absolutely stunned by how quickly it happened. There was no warning, no rattle, no nothing. And the crazy part is, despite the fact that I have hundreds of pictures of snake bites that have been sent to me or that I've found over the years, I've never seen a snake bite that had happened within a few seconds because I've just never been around somebody who's got bitten by a snake. And uh, it, it really blew me away of how quickly that escalated. Yeah. Initially, I didn't think, we didn't think it was that bad. And within a couple of days, uh, our friend Lisa was, was in a pretty bad state, uh, heart, stopped breathing twice. I uh, had to have a ton of anti-venom injections. I don't know where we ended up, but probably three to four hundred thousand dollars. Fortunately, good news, she's okay. But it just showed us how dangerous snakes are and how high risk this is. So make sure you get your dog snake proofed. Yeah, a big common misconception is that uh, that snakes go away in the winter, and actually they're they're a little bit less active, but they're still definitely around. We get you know calls all the time of sightings in December and, and January and so forth. So um, definitely get your dog snake avoidance trained. We typically start stop around end of October, middle beginning of November. So make sure to get that in before you can go. There's a link actually in the description where you can go ahead and do that. Um, and then of course, if uh, if you want to come and train with us here in Arizona, the link is in uh, the description for our website where you can check it out. We've introduced a ton of new features and programs. We'll talk about those probably you know, later or in another episode, yep. um, but definitely very excited of how the school has progressed just in the couple months since we've been offline. And then of course, if you aren't in Arizona and you want to uh, work with us still, check out Hey Ludwig on um, Facebook Messenger, where you can actually message it, tell it about your dog, and it will create personalized curriculums based on your dog's behavioral traits. So uh, with that being said, we're going to get into the episode talking about how to manage a hyperactive dog. And we know a few things about managing hyperactive dogs because we oh, yeah. have pretty much a fascination with only working breed type dogs. So yeah. uh, we've had German Shepherds, Belgian Malinois here today. We have Crush, our uh, Dutch Shepherd, which I'm not sure if we'll be able to get him. Yeah, we might get no, him. No, we try to get him a shot. You want the ball? You want the ball? Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. For you the people the listening, he's Yeah. So for the people listening, you can, I'm sure okay. you can hear That's that, and now he's going to be barking for the rest of the episode. But um, We have to get a, him in the episode. It's about him. He just about destroyed our studio on the way out of here. Crush yeah. Light up. So, um, big blue Dutch Shepherd. He's probably, what, 80, 90 pounds? Yeah, probably that 80, good. 80, 90 pounds. Like um, you know, great dock diving, pretty decent at, uh, at protection and, rent and French ring and so forth. So, uh, a lot of force and a lot of 
uh, not only time has gone into building that foundation, which is what we'll talk about today in the episode, but also making sure that you're managing his behavior, giving him things to do so that they don't find their own things to do, which usually ends up being things that you don't want. Absolutely. So what would be your, your first recommendation? So the first thing to remember with these high powered dogs is everybody sees these dogs on TV. The Dutch uh, crush is a Dutch shepherd. Um, but Belgian Malinois, any of the high-powered dogs, some of the Shepherds, the Rottweilers, etc. They're beautiful dogs. They're awesome dogs to have as pets. But if you have one, you have to do something with them. You cannot just let them lay around. They'll find stuff to do, like Christopher said. And with Crush, uh, you know, incredibly powerful dog. Does whatever he wants. There's no stopping him. You can't physically restrain him. Uh, it's all about conditioning and training. And we go back to the things we talked about last season, where we want to establish good control, good uh, kind of like micromanaging uh, his his behavior starting from basic things so what you saw here now i can cue him up i can get him revved up and everything like that but i can also shut that back down again not in a negative way but in a way that he learns basically how to behave now it's actually interesting we're talking about this because just this week i had somebody contact me online a friend of ours from the, the shooting world and and was talking about how to uh, condition his high drive dog he has a dog that basically just takes off and runs does whatever he wants and I said the same thing Give him, bring him back home put him on a leash start doing drills with him in Crush's case he's not really that food motivated he's motivated for a toy so that's the way we go we basically get him to do little things I actually practiced with him a little bit before tonight to see if I could do it on on uh, online live with you guys but there's just not enough space for us to do that but what I did is I, I went into basic sit positions down position sit position down position see how many times I can get him go back and forth he was super motivated he was like literally hitting them in a half second every time that there's yeah. a term for that so yeah. building foundation yeah well, doggy, doggy push-ups doggy push-ups okay so yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like a push-up but but what you're really doing is you're teaching him to channel that energy towards something that's positive in exchange for something that he wants in this particular case it was a stupid toy um, and he will do that over and over and over and that's the best way to do it what you don't want to do is try and beat it out of them so don't punish the dog for being exuberant don't punish the dog for being excitable what you want to do is channel that energy towards what you want him to do and do it in little baby steps so we'll get into some more detail here later now on. a big common um, I, I don't know, misconception misunderstanding in terms of taking a dog that has a lot of energy and putting foundation putting obedience into their daily life is that they're gonna lose their personality and that they're gonna lose their drive is that right. uh, is that the case that's a big concern a lot of people come up with that uh, we that's probably one of the most common questions that we get asked in the in the office uh, when people bring their dogs in is this gonna change my dog's behavior the simple answer is absolutely not what it does is it channels that behavior to what you consider to be good behavior yeah. so it's kind of like people you can't really change somebody's dynamic or somebody's um, persona if you have a high drive person if you have a person that's super interested in a particular thing like arts or sport or whatever you can't all of a sudden switch that off and make them something different um, you can channel them uh, towards something and you can show them like hey if you need to like I'll use my daughter as an example Alessandra she's not great at math which kind of drives me crazy because I'm really into math. And so this morning I was sitting for about 20 minutes going through some math things with her. And it, I don't want to say I get frustrated because I don't really get frustrated, but it's kind of like for me, it's like, hey, honey, don't you really understand this? So I had to break it down into really simple little steps that she could understand. And within maybe 15 minutes, she was starting to, uh, to get what I was getting at. And that's kind of the way to look at it. You're not changing her personality. She will never be a math genius, but I'm trying to channel it into a direction that she finds positive, but at the same time gets her results. And that's what we're talking about. You're not trying to change them. You're just trying to channel it to something slightly different. And the other thing too, is that once you do have a, um, 
a relationship of respect and foundation and obedience, you can enjoy your dog a lot more at Absolutely. that point because you can have those play times, you can still have energy in your relationship, but you're not going to they're not going to push it to a point of disrespect and a lack of obedience, which is definitely not what you want because then you end up, you know, being frustrated, you end up resenting and of course that's never going to be um, how you want to to build the relationship with you and your dog and, and the partnership with you and your dog. So, um, that's a, a really big thing is not only having the understanding of respect in that relationship with your dog, but putting tools in place that you can maintain that. Yep. Uh, and that's why we implement a lot of obedience, a lot of foundation and a lot of structure. Now, a lot of times what happens is that people will come home and because they haven't seen their dog and their dog hasn't seen them for a lot of time yep. for a long time, maybe they're out at work, maybe they're just out at the store for an hour um, and their dog comes in and is super excited, jumping all over them and it's really hard to manage that behavior. What would you recommend in that specific scenario? But that can obviously be translated into a bunch of different scenarios where there's a lot of excitement in, in place. You know what's funny is you're talking faster and I catch, it's funny, I can hear him saying that, but the number one thing people used to complain about me is I talk too fast and yeah. you're starting to talk fast. I talk so very fast. It's don't a, talk fast, slow down, because I can't even keep up. Anyway, yeah. so so again, we're going to this whole thing. Actually, of, it's of, funny, when, uh, just as a note on that. So I when I listen to podcasts, when I listen to audiobooks, yeah, well, it's fine. It's part of the dynamic the feedback back and forth. Uh, whenever I listen to podcasts and audiobooks, I listen at like two to two and a half times speed. And we have a good friend named Justin and Bethany that, that works with us. They're you know famous athletes and tennis players. Uh, and yeah, if you're playing I, the I, US Open, right? Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And so I always tell them that I listen at that speed because I get to actually I focus better on it because when it's so slow and the people are talking like this, it drags on and I lose focus. And so when they talk really fast and I can actually pick up on it, but then I realize that I start talking really fast because of that. And so it's kind of a weird thing. But whenever someone gets in the car with me, they're always like, what are you listening to? It sounds like yeah, a bunch sounds of like crazy stuff. Well, so back to the story of what we were starting with. Excitement. So you get home from work and your dog is really exuberant, really excited to see you. They're jumping up and down. First thing that happens, of course, is you probably yell at them because you can't handle that behavior. Or maybe you dress from work, wearing a suit, or you're wearing something that's a little smarter. You don't want the dog jumping on you. What you got to understand is that that's the dog's way of expressing themselves. So trying to punish them for expressing yourself is kind of a, it's kind of like a dead end street, right? It might work, but what you're really coming across to your dog as what I like to refer to as crazy girl, crazy guy. Basically, psycho mom, psycho dad. What psycho mom, psycho dad means is that you're behaving in such a way that the dog's looking at you like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why would you be yelling at me? I haven't seen you all day, and now here you are yelling at me. And that's often why they'll kind of stop doing that and they'll slink off because they're really not quite sure what it is that you're doing. So you have to be clear on this. First thing you gotta remember is when you come home, if your dog is really excited, go straight to obedience strength. So I bring him into the heel position. That'll be on your left-hand side in a nice, uh, in a, Kind of like swear to your body if you can, uh, put them in a sit position, then just quietly pet them down to them. How a good dog, that's a good boy, how you been, what you do today, etc. etc. Chances are they slept all day. Not all dogs sleep, but most dogs sleep all day. When you come home, they're ready to go. And of course, the last thing you want to do is run around the house. So you've got to kind of find a way to balance that. Second thing, as we said, first thing is bring him into the obedience position. Second thing you want to do is you want to establish kind of like a pattern for the dogs of doing something that they're going to understand. What I generally will do with my dogs, I'll take them out and take them outside. Then I'll tell them, okay, go run, 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 run. And then that gets them into the habit. They know run, run means go play in the garden. They race around. I might throw a tennis ball out for them 
obviously I've got to be careful I have two dominant males and if I throw a tennis ball and they both go after the tennis ball then I have a different problem on my hands but I'll manage that I'll keep one back while I throw two balls one in one direction make sure that one dog goes off that throw another ball in the other direction you have to manage the behavior of the dogs but directing it into a positive uh, in a positive manner I was gonna say direction but in a positive manner that might not be a run down the uh, around the garden that might just be a simple thing around your uh, down your driveway or inside of your you know porch or patio area outside and, and what are some other uh, kind of outlets that you can provide for your dog on like a daily basis or even if you do come home at the end of the day and so forth obviously a lot of people do walk their dogs but yep. oftentimes that's not necessarily enough what's a, what's another right. couple and, outlets and, and a subject of walking your dog remember that dogs gain they gain intelligence, but they also gain, um, what's the word I'm looking for, an outlet. They gain an outlet from the smells and the sights and the sounds that are out there. So for them, walking the dog is not just an exercise thing. It's also a, oh, wow, look at this. You know, think of when you show up at Disneyland. I don't know when last any of you were at Disneyland, but if you look at it, it's really cleverly designed. I'm talking the one in California. When you come in, you come in under this little tunnel. And I've always thought to myself, yeah, they've got this multi billion dollar facility and yet they force everybody to go through that first little part and through the tunnel and when you come out the tunnel the other side you've got the train on the right side and you've got this little courtyard area and and island well it's all designed to channel your attention they feed the fake smell of popcorn into the area they've got the music playing in the background they have all those those um what are those, those people that dress up uh, i shouldn't say people those there's uh, animated actors, actors that, that come in with their suits and so on. It's all directed at keeping your mind occupied. Well, that's the kind of approach you want with your dog. You want to go out there. You want to do something with them that's interesting for them. Let them sniff around the bushes and so forth. I wouldn't let them mark on stuff because if you have a dominant type dog, every time they mark, you're basically encouraging that dominance. But let them go party and let them get used to that. And then, you know, wear your dog out. Like take them on a long enough walk that it actually does wear them out. If you're a runner, be careful running your dogs because the dogs are not designed to run long distance some a few dogs are but the vast majority are not um, you know a half a mile mile long walk is normally more than enough for a dog and so forth and and obviously you can also practice your obedience while you're going on the walk what about like some other type of activities like sport dog type training or swim training things right. like that so we're a big fan of, of sport training for our dogs uh, we have a pool as as many of you realize and we use that to condition the dogs uh, in a in a non-impact way I'm a huge fan of that I try and work out Christopher works out a lot more than I do and I notice that if I do these low impact things I do a lot better with my body it doesn't hurt as much your dog is exactly the same um, in actual fact we did a movie here recently and I used crush who's a phenomenal dog jumper we used him we shot a whole bunch of, of uh, movie shots in fact you should put that movie out it's a pretty good one and we had somebody with a drone uh, our buddy Chandler was here and he was filming with the drone and so crush had to do a whole lot of these same jumps over and over and over and the next day he was super sore so that's not what we want to be practicing um, you want to basically have a, an outlet that is fun for your dog like a, a sport that's fun chasing a tennis ball doing some obedience training uh, do some recalls swimming is great exercise for your dog if you have a pool you know throw a ball to the end of the pool let the dog swim to the end of the pool grab the ball then call them back to the, the steps again so that they learn always to come to the steps take the ball throw it back in again it's a good training exercise for your dog yeah we do a lot of uh, swim training as it gets cooler we're gonna also start agility training coming up here yep. in a couple months um, and it's just a great it's a great socialization exercise for your dog because usually there's other people around and so forth our swim training is personally uh, we do it during boarding and daycare only right now um, so you bring your dog over to daycare bring your dog in for boarding and they can get swim training while they're here so they get social 
socialization, they get time in the pool, they get to drain their energy, it builds their confidence. There's a whole bunch of really, really valuable assets that come with, uh, with doing sports and so forth with your dog. Not to mention, obviously, the, uh, the big energy drain at the end of the day, which is, of course, really useful. Um, what's like another so and so I, and I saw in one of your notes you want to talk about gauging the nose yeah i was I really actually just about that. to talk that next so so kind of like how we were talking about with the uh, with the walk um when you take a, when you take your dog on a walk it's engaging all the different parts of their senses their ears their nose mm-hmm. so it's a really really stimulating experience for them um but even when you're coming home at the end of the day or even if you're in a situation where your dog is very excited and very um you know hyperactive if you will then you can use your treats you can do use even their toy has a scent to it um, things like that that will engage them back onto you engage their nose capture um, their their mind at that point so that way you can funnel them back into your obedience and and back into your patterning and and repetitions and so forth Um, and then of course a lot of times and I think I see this happen I think most with children but of course really with actually a lot with strangers too like if you're taking your dog on a walk and another stranger sees you and your dog their first instinct is to like show a ton of excitement and run towards your dog and so forth so what would you say in that scenario um you know making sure that you're obviously calming your dog but making sure that the people around are also giving off a a sense of calming behavior otherwise that could uh, increase the uh, uh, excitement in your dog so, so just on that subject as well, and it's a great example because Crush got up, he's watching me, he came over, I'm, I'm in a calm tone right now, he's got his ball in his mouth, he's sitting next to me, so I called him over, called him into the heel position, put him in a, actually he's standing right now, I see, Crush, I see, I see, so you think he'd be trained to do that right now, but he's in a sit position and he's nice and calm, so I can calm that down and that's the training that Christopher I think is talking um, about, stroking um, you know, bringing him back to the the uh, kind of like a base position, a default position we default often refer to in, yeah. in training. Um, and that default position allows me to regain control, but in a calm, relaxed manner, right? And I've got my left hand on him. I'm just quietly petting him on the side. He just lay down next to me and he's completely content. He's got his ball in his mouth. And that's something you can consider as well. You can, when you're doing your walk, when you're going on your walk, is do a little obedience training with your dogs. Bring them to heel position. That's again, as I said, on the left hand side, keep your leash nice and relaxed so they're not straining at the leash all the time. And, you know, practice doing some heel sits, heel sits, maybe a couple of down positions just stay walk away to interview leash turn around all of that teaches foundation and that foundation is what you use to establish the to micromanage and establish that control that we're talking about right and and one thing that you just did there a second ago is if your dog is in a very you know anxious or hyperactive state um, doing long strokes and speaking in a really slow monotone calming voice is a really good way to kind of release some of that energy and and dissipate it a bit um, also Kelly mentioned here yeah I just tricks. saw that now uh, so Kelly's our general manager she's actually gonna be on the show uh, this season one of the things that we're gonna do week. a little different next week yep. awesome uh, one of the things we're gonna do different this year is that we're gonna bring in the occasional guest uh, so you're not just listening to us we're all the way here and um, it'll give you a chance to kind of like ask questions of some of the other trainers and our first guest mostly because she's the most important person here at the school uh, we just kind of hang out here is Kelly Kelly's our general manager she runs the school uh, she takes care of everything she allows me to travel which is awesome and uh, she's going to be here next week talking about some different things but she just sent us a reminder right now she says we can do tricks tricks are great for your dog I don't really care what trick you train your dog as long as your dog is doing something. So if you want to trick, train your dog to lay down, to roll over, uh, to sit up, to beg for food, if that's what you want, 
Um, you know, it really doesn't matter. There's a multitude. And in fact, next week, if you remember, uh, ask Kelly to talk about some different tricks, uh, trick training. Uh, Kelly went did a course many, a couple of years ago, actually three or four years ago in trick training. And she came back with a ton of new things that she had learned. Well, and another thing that you, you resource that you can use is on Hey Ludwig, we have about 12, 13, 14 different tricks on there um, that walk you through in a step-by-step -step manner how to teach your dog to play dead, roll over, uh, pretty much anything that you can imagine that you could ever teach your dog is, is on there. Uh, we definitely want to build it out a little bit more, but there's definitely that starting content that's really, really great. Uh, and then, yeah, just since we we're talking about it, next week we're going to talk about all the different behaviors that we actually train and work on at the school, provide some definitions to them, provide some uh, information on why we might use them in training. So definitely stick around, come back next week uh, where Kelly and I will be on the show talking about those. Yeah. And, and on those on those behaviors, Kelly has done an awesome job in the daycare. Our, our, it's not our new daycare, we've been doing daycare for gosh, eight, seven, eight, nine years. But we rebuilt, renovated a whole daycare setup. Uh, we've got a whole new facility in there, new play areas, new fencing. We've got misting systems, fogging systems. Um, but one of the things that Kelly's instituted and we can talk about next week, or you guys can, is the different behaviors that we train into all our daycare dogs to make them better behaved and make it more manageable. And it's, it's really having great success. I just had a couple of clients walk up to me and and tell me how much they love it. In fact, there was a guy there today and I forget what his name was, but uh, he was super excited about everything. He's like almost gushy excited. And that's that's awesome for me to see because we it shows that everybody's working as a team. It shows that the, that the training is a good balance between you know working well, mixing with each other, other, socializing with each other, and at the same time also establishing control over the environment so we don't have these, these issues or scuffles or anything like that uh, during our daycare program. And then uh, Nick asked here, or Nicholas asked, my dog is overweight and hyperactive. Is that a bad combination? And actually, it's a great combination because you can solve the overweight issue if your dog's hyperactive and you channel them into some sports and maybe swim right. training, maybe some other activities um, that will not only help with the overweight side, but also help with some of the hyperactivity. So that's a, a great combination to have. Shouldn't be a combination, but we yep. can definitely work on that. And, and on the weight thing, just one thing to keep in mind as well, do gradually. I'm sure you know that. I'm sure you realize that. Um, but, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Basically, step it up from the dog. I always tell people a good measure is if you take the dog's age in years and you add on a zero. So, in other words, if a dog is like two years old, and uh, you add on a zero onto that, that gives that dog about 20 minutes that they can exercise. And by that, I mean light exercise, not running for 20 minutes. I mean, just a, a light exercise. Now, obviously it changes as the dog gets older. I've also got to remember to say this. If you get a dog that goes over about 75% of its potential lifespan. So if you know that your dog is likely to live to about 10 years of age, so at about seven years of age, then you're gonna start stepping that back again. Um, so a seven, eight year old dog that is, that is a breed that is maybe going to live to around 10 years of age. That's definitely not a dog that you can, you know, obviously exercise for seven times, you know, the zero 70 minutes that that will almost go back to the puppy phase. So, you know, use common sense. If you're not sure about it, reach out to us. We'll tell you roughly yeah, what it is. Check with your vet. You know, this is not something you want to play around with. So if you're not sure, then make sure that you check it out. And obviously a dog that has been exercised all the time, that dog can do more and more and more. You don't have to stress out about that. 
and obviously monitoring their their energy levels and so yep. forth at, at in real time and it's very and the road talk about temperature yeah so uh, two things I want to talk about if your dog is overweight also just make sure to check with your vet and make sure there's nothing going on with their diet or other things at play that could potentially be yep. adding into that weight issue uh, and then of course if you are doing a lot of activity if you're doing walking outside especially here in Arizona it gets very very hot um, a really great quick test is to put your hand on the ground. If you can't keep it there for you know, 20, 30 seconds, it's probably too hot for your dog to walk on. Um, and obviously we can, we don't want them to, to burn their pads because yep. they can get very, very serious burns. The concrete I think can get to like 150. Yeah, it's crazy degrees. how hot it gets. Yeah. And also remember on that same thing as well, if you buy booties for your dog and they certain types of booties, they get just as hot within, you know, when they touching the surface, they yeah. transfer the heat across the dog's pad. You need to get booties that are specially designed for the heat that doesn't uh, burn your dogs and it's crazy you know we talk about this all the time um, but people still don't pay enough attention to the heat and to to what goes on um, and if you guys saw there was another canine that, that passed away in Arizona I'm sorry in California here last week uh, from being left in a vehicle um, Arizona specifically in fact I think it's Phoenix I shouldn't say Arizona Phoenix has laws right. that over a certain temperature you're not allowed to walk your dog on any of the city trails That's or whatever right. they'll actually cite you for that and those laws were brought in because people were exercising dogs in the heat and they're just not able to handle that one interesting story I saw was a dog that actually got out of the home and was running around and they found the dog again but when they found the dog it had you know, its feet which just burned to hell yep so I see we got a, a, a comment from Walter. Hey, Walter, how you doing, buddy? Walter's a German Shepherd guy out of California. He's actually a friend of ours that shoots with us as well. And he came up to me one day and said, oh, you know, he's talking about dogs. I didn't realize he was like this fanatical uh, dog handler trainer. And he's also an MMA uh, uh, instructor, phenomenal guy. Um, but he, he also knows from, from training dogs and from working dogs in California, uh, he does shitsund with these dogs, if I remember correctly. Um, same thing, gotta pay attention to that. One quick comment, doesn't Appreciate. really pertain to act, uh, hyperactivity. Donna said, I have a five month old German Shepherd and she swallowed a rawhide, rawhide stick, should I worry? Uh, we can't answer those yeah, things. It's too difficult. Uh, not enough detail. We don't have enough data. We, we, it's, you know, whenever we get asked these things, we always say get your vet to Contact check it out. Vet, Contact yeah. your vet. Um, it could be nothing, and it could be something much more serious. If the dog is is uh, has lodged it down the throat, they could stop breathing. It's not something that I can answer here or we can answer here. Yeah. Um, best case is to just take it to the vet. You might be in for the the consult fee, um, but that's way safer than us trying to figure things out. Definitely. I always tell my staff, we're not vets. We're not trained to be vets. Um, we're uh, there's too many unknowns, and every time I get involved in something like that, then uh, I end up later on regretting it. So. Cool. Have your vet check it out or have an urgent care check it out. Yep. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of this week's episode. Remember, now I want to talk about the oh, you want to so the podcast thing. So, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I know Christopher brought that up uh, while I was like reading and, and commenting pe to people, but um, podcasting. So, I I was what I was reading Instagram or something, I can't remember now. And I came across this podcast uh, just on Instagram and I loved it. Absolutely awesome podcast. Um, you know, this is definitely the sign of the future. These podcasts, when I travel now, I almost never listen to music. I don't even have my XM, um, uh, uh, what's they call that, um, subscription Serious anymore. Uh, I literally line up all the podcasts 
and I can travel for six or seven hours listening to podcasts now, uh, listening to different people. Same thing when I'm flying. So please, guys, if you uh, have any questions, send them to us. Uh, but uh, put them in your put your you know add this podcast and subscribe to our thing so that you can get these talks. Uh, Christopher goes to a lot of trouble to make sure that they're out there and give us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and what you want us to talk about. Definitely. Just as a note, we are on uh, pretty much any podcast network. So. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Obviously, Facebook is where you're watching this if you are watching this live on Facebook. And then we also post this onto our website. Uh, so it's heyludwig.com slash the Ustazen show. And I know it might be difficult to spell Ustazen. So um, look up Louis Ustazen the golfer. It's pretty much spelled the same way, except it's an S instead of a Z. And, uh, Dude, that confuses me. Yeah, well. We're not the same family, unfortunately. It's close enough. Um, but it's close. Yeah. Uh, right. So that's the end of this week's episode. Remember, next week we will be back same time, Wednesday at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Yep. And we'll be talking about the different types of behaviors we train here at the school, the definitions, and why we train for them. If you guys have any questions, please drop them in the comment section below. Thanks very much, and have a great week. Good. Yeah, I didn't share it. I didn't watch party it early enough. Jeez, we had. I've got like. Yeah, we had like six many people. At the look end. how many people joined the. The uh, watch party crush. I'm stepping on my cables, buddy. Oh, oh shit! Oh wait, right, we gotta job. do. Wait, we gotta do. Oh, we gotta do it one minute. Crush, push it. It'll be pretty easy.